day and thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Independence Realty Trust third quarter 2021 earnings release. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during this session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to your host today, Lauren Torres. Please go ahead, ma'am. Thank you, and good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us to review Independence Realty Trust's third quarter 2021 financial results. On the call with me today are Scott Schaefer, our Chief Executive Officer, Jim Sebra, our Chief Financial Officer, and Farrell Ender, President of IRT. Today's call is being webcast on our website at www.irtliving.com. There will be a replay of the call available via webcast on our investor relations website and telephonically beginning at approximately 12 p.m. Eastern Time today. Before I turn the call over to Scott, I'd like to remind everyone that there may be forward-looking statements made on this call. These forward-looking statements reflect IRT's current views with respect to future events, financial performance, and the proposed merger with Steadfast Apartment REIT, which will be referenced herein as STAR. Actual results could differ substantially and materially from what IRT has projected, and there can be no assurance that IRT will consummate the merger within the expected time frame or at all. Such statements are made in good faith pursuant to the safe harbor provisions of the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995. Please refer to IRT's press release, supplemental information, and filings with the SEC for factors that could affect the accuracy of our expectations or cause our future results to differ materially from those expectations. Participants may discuss non-GAAP financial measures during this call. A copy of IRT's earnings press release and supplemental information containing financial information, other statistical information, and a reconciliation of non-GAAP financial measures to the most direct comparable GAAP financial measure is attached to IRT's current report on the Form 8K available at IRT's website under Investor Relations. IRT's other SEC filings are also available through this link. IRT does not undertake to update forward-looking statements in this call or with respect to matters described herein, except as may be required by law. With that, it's my pleasure to turn the call over to Scott Schaefer. Thank you, Lauren, and thank you all for joining us today. We're excited to review our third quarter results, which reflect the strength of our business and the opportunities that lie ahead. On today's call, I'd first like to provide some quarterly highlights and then update you on our proposed merger with STAR. In the third quarter, we experienced continued momentum due to the execution of our strategic plan and strong resident demand, supported by positive migration trends, as well as favorable population and employment growth in our markets. This has allowed us to achieve high occupancy levels at our communities and drive significant rental rate growth, which was clearly reflected in our third quarter results. Specifically, 
Our same-store NOI increased 14.7% in the quarter, and our core FFO improved more than 25% compared to a year ago. Our same-store average occupancy increased to 96%, a 220 basis point increase on a year-over-year basis. Our average effective monthly rent per unit grew 7.3% in the quarter, and we collected over 98% of third-quarter rents and have now collected 99.4% of second-quarter rents. We are very pleased with these results, especially given that we generated positive NOI growth in each quarter throughout the, entire, the entirety of the pandemic. And with favorable demand trends continuing, we are seeing strong results so far in October. Our total portfolio average occupancy is 96.2%, a 130 basis point improvement compared to October of last year. We have collected nearly 96% of October rents, which is consistent with collections at this point in prior months. And given our high occupancy in the third quarter, we continue to drive rent growth, averaging 14.2% for leases signed so far in the fourth quarter on a blended basis. We also continue to execute on our proven value add program. In the third quarter, we completed renovations on 330 units, and since commencement of our value add program, we have now completed 4,419 units at an average cost of $12,783 per unit and generated average rent premiums of $188 per month resulting in an unleveraged ROI of approximately 18%. As mentioned on our last earnings call, after the combination of IRTs and STARS portfolio, we will have a pipeline of approximately 20,000 units available for future renovation. In addition to our value-add program, IRT will continue to assess markets where we see long-term growth opportunities and reevaluate those that may not be attractive long-term investments, while engaging in joint venture relationships focused on new multifamily development. Most recently, we entered into a joint venture with a partner to develop three new communities in Nashville, an exciting market that will be entering at scale post-merger. Farrell will provide more details on this shortly. But before I hand it over to Farrell, I would like to provide you with an update on our proposed merger with STAR. Last quarter, we announced our intent to join together two very similar high-quality businesses with complementary geographic footprints, creating a 38,000-unit portfolio focused in the highly desirable Sunbelt region of the United States. I'm pleased to note that integration on the planned merger with STAR is progressing well. We continue to have good visibility on realizing our projected annual synergies of $28 million and expect the transaction to be immediately accreted to core FFO per share by approximately 11%. We expect to close the transaction in the second half of December, pending shareholder approval at our special shareholders meeting on December 13th. This is an exciting time for both IRT and STAR stakeholders as our business combination will create a leading publicly traded multifamily REIT in markets where we see substantial room for growth. And now I'd like to turn the call over to Farrell for an operational update. Farrell? Thanks, Scott, and good morning, everyone. I also share in Scott's excitement and optimism for our business. Our year-to-date results are strong due to the dedication of our team that is focused on servicing and retaining existing residents and attracting new residents to our communities. In the third quarter, our same-store occupancy grew 220 basis points to 96% from 93.8% a year ago. This has continued in October with total portfolio average occupancy at 96.2%, up 130 basis points year over year. We've been able to achieve these levels while increasing our average effective monthly rent by 7.3% in the quarter. On a lease-over-lease basis for the same-store portfolio, New lease rates increased 19.8% and renewals were up 5% during the third quarter, yielding a combined lease-over-lease rental rate increase of 10.5%. Strong trends continue in the fourth quarter to date, 
with new leases having increased 24.1%, led by our value-add communities, while renewed leases are up 9.4%, with a blended lease-over-lease -lease rental rate increase of 14.2% for our same-store portfolio. We are also seeing strong resident retention, with a third-quarter retention rate of 60.3%. So far in October, retention is 52.7%, up from 47.5% a year ago. To give you an update on our value add program, we completed renovations on 330 units in the third quarter. We are currently performing renovations at 20 of our properties, having added our Meadows community in Louisville to our ongoing renovation program. As detailed on the value add summary in our supplement, we are now adding 1,295 units at communities that we will begin renovating in 2022. We have designated seven communities completed as we have renovated 85% or more of their units. We will continue to work towards completing 100% of their units as leases expire. Year to date, 700 units have been completed and we now expect to complete renovations on 1,000 units in total by year end. This is less than our initial projections due to the higher than expected retention rates we saw throughout the year. As Scott mentioned, after the merger the STAR is complete, we will have a portfolio of approximately 20,000 value-add units. In 2022, we expect to renovate 2,000 units from the combined portfolio and ramp up to 4,000 units per year thereafter. During the third quarter, we closed on the joint venture in Nashville to develop three communities totaling 504 units with a joint venture partner. We are investing a total of $14.4 million into the joint venture and have the right but not the obligation to purchase the communities upon their completion. The first community will be delivered in the first quarter of 2022 and with the STAR merger will enhance our exposure to this desirable market. Touching on our planned dispositions, we close on the sale of King's Landing property in St. Louis this quarter, recognizing a gain on disposition of $11.5 million. In conjunction with the planned merger with STAR, we have identified six assets to sell as we manage market concentrations. Two are expected to sell this year and four during the first quarter of 2022. We expect the blended economic cap rates on these dispositions to be 4%. Once completed, proceeds will be used to repay debt of the combined companies. Now I'll turn the call over to Jim. Thanks, Farrell, and good morning, everyone. Beginning with our third quarter performance update, net income available to common shareholders was $11.5 million, up from $1.1 million in the third quarter of 2020. During the third quarter, CORFFO grew to $22.7 million, up 25% from $18.2 million in Q3 2020. Core FFO per share during Q3 was 21 cents, 10.5% higher than Q3 last year at 19 cents per share. Turning to our same store property operating results, NOI growth in the third quarter was 14.7%, driven by revenue growth of 9.4%. This growth was driven by a 7.3% increase in average rental rates and a 220 basis point of higher average occupancy. While this NOI growth includes value-add communities, we did see NOI growth of 12.8% at our same-store non-value-add communities. Again, this growth was driven by a 6.3% increase in our average rental rate and 230 basis points of incremental occupancy in the third quarter, both as compared to last year. 
Today, we have collected 98.4% of our third quarter billings. Consistent with past quarters, we evaluated uncollected amounts for collectability and we maintain a reserve for bad debt. As of today, including collections subsequent to quarter end, we maintain a bad debt reserve of $1.2 million associated with the $1.6 million of gross receivables. As a result, we have a net receivable balance of $410,000 and believe that these receivables will be collected in the near term. From an earnings perspective, our bad debt expense was 1.1% of total revenue in the third quarter. On the property operating expense side, same-store operating expenses grew a modest 1.7% in the third quarter as real estate taxes and advertising expenses declined on a year-over-year basis. The decline in real estate taxes was due to one-time assessments in the third quarter of last year, while advertising expenses were down as spend was higher last year. To recall, the pandemic started to wane last summer and leasing velocity increased, and as a result, our advertising costs increased last year. In addition, we experienced higher repairs and maintenance costs during the third quarter of this year compared to last year when many projects were delayed due to COVID. Turning to our balance sheet, as of September 30th, our liquidity position was $221 million. We had approximately $8.7 million of unrestricted cash and $212 million of additional capacity through our unsecured credit facility. In addition, we have $273 million of proceeds that we will receive upon settlement of our outstanding equity forward sale agreements covering 16.1 million shares of our common stock. We expect to bring down the associated forward sale agreements during December 2021 in connection with the closing of our merger with STAR. On the dividend, IRT's board of directors declared a quarterly cash dividend of $0.12 per share, which was paid on October 22nd. This represents a payout ratio of 63% on $0.19 of AFFO during Q3 2021. With respect to our outlook, we are updating our 2021 guidance based on our third quarter results and favorable view of our portfolio performance for the remainder of the year. Our updated guidance does not take into account any impact of the pending merger with STAR. Our advised guidance for 2021 EPS is a range of $0.18 to $0.23 per diluted share and for core FFO is a range of $0.80 to $0.82 per share up from our previously guided range of $0.76 to $0.78 per share. Our core FFO per share guidance adjusts for depreciation and amortization as well as gains of the sale of real estate assets and merger and integration costs. For 2021, we now expect NOI at our same-store communities to increase 10.25% at the midpoint, up from our previously guided midpoint of 7%. This updated guidance reflects expected same-store revenue growth of 7.5% at the midpoint, given higher average occupancy rates, rental rates that have increased more than expected, and bad debt expense that has trended lower than anticipated. Moving on to expenses, our new projected growth in total same-store real estate operating expenses of 2.75% at the midpoint is a result of our expectation that controllable operating expenses should increase 4.25% at the midpoint and our non-controllable expenses should increase only 50 basis points at the midpoint. Generally, our original expectation for for a more notable increase in real estate taxes portfolio-wide did not materialize this year. Regarding our transaction and investment volume expectations for 2021, we have a few updates. 
With respect to acquisitions, other than our pending merger with Star, we are not projecting any additional acquisitions this year. As of now, our pending merger with Star is expected to close in mid-December this year as the special shareholder meeting to approve the merger is scheduled for December 13th. As for dispositions, we are now projecting a disposition volume of between $170 and $180 million. This increase from our previously guided range is a result of the assets we have currently identified as held for sale. In connection with the pending merger with Star, we identified nine assets for sale, six from IRT, and three from STAR. The proceeds from the sales of these nine assets would be used to delever the combined balance sheet at or shortly after the closing of the merger. Our original estimate of value for these nine assets was $340 million. Given the strength in the market, we are now estimating the value of these nine assets to be between $375 and $385 million. Before I turn the call back to Scott, I wanted to briefly touch upon some preliminary thoughts looking into next year. Recently, there has been a lot of press and discussion about the potential impact of inflation, labor shortages, and supply chain disruptions. We are clearly evaluating all these factors on our business as we work through our budgeting process for 2022. We are expecting to see more than an inflationary uptick in wages, but expect that our investment in prop tech and automation will help to alleviate some of these potential increased expenses. We are also anticipating an increase in the cost for materials used in our value-added renovation program. We do expect that demand and rental premiums for these upgraded units will continue to be robust in 2022, such that our ROIs, even after the cost increases, will remain in the 15 to 20% range. Lastly, as we think about the interplay between rental rates and occupancies, some of the market data we read suggests that double-digit blended rent growth will continue during 2022. For 2022, our plan will be to continue to manage both rental rate growth and occupancies to generate the highest possible revenue. Thank you for your time today. As we head into the final months of 2021, we look forward to closing our merger with STAR and we'll plan to provide full year 2022 guidance during our year-end earnings conference call February. Now, I'll turn the call back to Scott. Scott? Thanks, Jim. In closing, I want to once again highlight how encouraged I am by our strong year-to-date performance supported by favorable market trends and IRT's commitment to driving growth from our proven portfolio of assets. We're also excited about our future as we look forward to partnering with STAR and expanding our high-quality portfolio in markets where we see high growth potential. We thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to speaking with many of you at NAREIT's virtual REIT World Conference at the beginning of November. Operator, we would now like to open the call for questions. And thank you, sir. We will now begin our question and answer session. To ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. To withdraw your question, you may press the pound key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. And our first question from the line of Neil Malkin from Capital One Securities. You may now ask your question. Thank you. Uh, good morning, guys. Great quarter. Um, first question uh, for me relates to the merger. Um, I think just in general, when you're when you're dealing with these types of things, uh, integration of, of of the various things can 
you know, maybe get uh, kind of take your eye off the ball or, you know, things might happen that are unexpected. Uh, I think, you know, something like that happened with a larger uh, Sunbelt Pier a few years ago. Uh, it took them, I think, a year longer to, to sort of get the revenue management system up and running. So um, just wondering what you guys are doing proactively to um, eliminate any, uh, you know, potential uh, hiccups with either regard to the synergies or getting all the, uh, the, the culture, in, you know, uh, onboarded and, uh, you know, the various things that can uh, potentially, uh, again, you know, throw a wrench into the system of, um, you know, an otherwise smooth process. Thanks. Thanks, Neil. And obviously, it's a great question, and it's on all of our minds every day. Um, so the integration is progressing well. Um, fortunately for, for us and for STAR, we have very similar operating systems and culture. So uh, putting uh, the companies together, um, while there will always be bumps in the road, um, we think we are well on our way to having a, a smooth integration process. Um, we've just gone through the conversion of uh, our operating system from Yardi to Entrada. Uh, uh, Star is on Yardi, so we now have great experience behind us because we did it for all of the IRT properties. Um, so moving this, the Star properties onto Entrada, uh, we think uh, we have a very, very good handle on that. Um, we've been very focused on, on not just the technology but on people. Um, we're keeping all of the on-site uh, STAR people, um, most of their, or I think all of their regionals um, uh, and, and, and many, many, many of their operating people are coming along. Um, we all have uh, within both companies a good history of, of the different systems that we each use. So working together and, and getting it onto one platform um, we think uh, will, will be very doable uh, within the, the you know, stated time frame that we've laid out. And so far I can tell you that we've had, had very good all-hands integration meetings every week. Um, we have a committee that's been formed uh, to put this, uh, you know, to, to, to monitor and to oversee the, the processes. And, uh, you know, again, we do expect obviously to there to be some, some bumps, um, but we're working very hard to minimize those and so far so good. Great, I uh, appreciate uh, your comment, Jerry. Um, you know, the other question I have um, relates to the uh, uh, value-add platform, obviously, you know, very successful, very creative. Um, you, know, you commented about uh, materials, uh, supply chain issues, and, you know, I, I, I've heard or we've heard that, you know, some, some companies are saying, look, you can't order any more, you know, drywall or, you know, lumber for some sorts of things. And so I'm just wondering, given that you're planning on ramping up your pipeline, um, uh, next year, and and these issues appear to not be abating. Are you um, sort of pre-ordering, or what what sorts of things are you doing to ensure that um, you know you you have enough materials to actually uh, execute on your on your planned um, amount of turns? Yeah, Neil. So this is Farrell. Good question. So remember, we're not doing any real ground up, so we're not experiencing any issues with lumber or drywall, but you know, we're doing appliances and countertops and flooring, and uh, you know, we strategically, two years ago, built out a procurement supply chain team that is working tirelessly to mitigate any of those shortages. We, we do experience them. Um, we had some appliance um, issues you know, into last year. Um, we expect material prices to rise in the future, and it's their job to um, you know, leverage the scale of the platform to get the best um, prices that we can on materials. Um, 
Okay, uh, great. And then maybe just another uh, quick one real quick is, uh, you know, you're seeing such strong uh, demand. And I'm just wondering, it, it, you know, can you attribute that to, you know, I mean, these are like historically strong levels here. I mean, is it is it just the sheer number of people coming in to the markets, like in migration from, you know, a lot of these, uh, you know, higher cost uh, legislatively um, uh, troubled markets? Or is it just, you know, more jobs, higher wages? Like, like what is driving this, uh, you know, all-time level of, of uh, pricing power? Well, we talk about the supply-demand imbalance a lot, and I think, um, you know, just overall, the market fundamentals and the markets we're in are outpacing in national average. You add on that and compound the impacts of COVID, and in the majority of our markets, you're seeing demand basically um, at twice the amount of supply. Uh, and, you know, that's, you know, we've probably got a decent amount of time that we're going to experience that, again, because of, of COVID and market fundamentals. You know, supply, new construction has was slowed during that period. So we're just seeing a tremendous amount of demand for our product in, in the majority of our markets. You know, you know we've, we've always had this philosophy that, um, uh, you know, people need a place to live, and that's why we love multifamily. Um, again, what Farrell said, you know, our markets have, have had a supply, demand, imbalance for some time. Growing population uh, and job creation um, uh, higher than in any other parts of the country. Um, and, you know, that just creates, you know, a need for housing. And, and again, there's a housing shortage. So, you know, we've always had this philosophy, if you, if you provide a, a good, clean, well-located asset and you maintain it and you manage it professionally, um, you will keep good, strong occupancy and be able to push rents. And now with rising wages, um, it really gives us, you know, the ability to continue to push rents. If you think about it, only 20 cents of every dollar that our residents earn uh, on average goes towards rent. With with uh, rising wages, it does, you know, uh, give us, you know, again, that tailwind to continue to, to, you know, generate higher rents. Thank you, guys. And speakers, our next question from Amanda Switzer from Baird. You may ask your question. Thanks. Good morning, guys. I wanted to start on guidance. Can you just update us on what the implied blended lease rate is in guidance today versus what you've achieved here to date? For the uh, for the whole year, or just for? Yes, for the for full year guidance and what you've achieved yeah, year to date. Yeah, I mean, the, the revenue growth that we have in our guidance, as I mentioned, is that kind of midpoint of seven and a half uh, times or seven and a half percent. The, you know, rent growth that we've been seeing to date of, you know, call it 24% in the fourth quarter, 9% of renewals in the fourth quarter, it's got a blended, you know, uh, lease growth in the fourth quarter, 14%. For the year to date, it's about 9% blended rent growth. Um, we've got a, and that's effectively the, the, blended rent growth that we have, you know, heading into the, the fourth quarter and the whole full year guidance. Okay, that's helpful. And then following up on the integration aspect, as you dug into the steadfast portfolio a bit more, do you have any update on expected CapEx investments, either in terms of the ROIs you'll be able to achieve on that portfolio in particular, or any potential deferred maintenance issues that you've seen? 
Yeah, we, we've, uh, you know, something that's obviously done our due diligence as part of the merger. You know, there's no deferred maintenance. Um, you know, their, their recurring CapEx spend, you know, is going to be very consistent with our recurring CapEx spend roughly, you know, 550 a door plus or minus annually. Um, and then, as we mentioned, as Farrell mentioned, there is a large pipeline of value-add potential in the, in the portfolio that we think we'll be able to continue to achieve, you know, roughly the same ROIs that we've achieved. Okay. Makes sense. And then last one for me, just given the strong fundamental performance as well as the accretion you do expect from Steadfast, any update to how you and the board are thinking about the dividend today? Uh, yes. Uh, the the only update is that we want to get through. Uh, and, and again, this is this is Scott, and uh, as the chairman of the board, um, I have some insight, but I can't speak for the whole board. Uh, we want to get through the merger. We want to get through the integration. Um, we recognize that our payout ratio has declined uh, dramatically with with the uh, you know the, the bottom line. Um, so it's something that we'll be looking at, but but not until. We and Makes sense. Appreciate the time. Thanks, man. And speakers, our next question from the line of Nick Joseph from City. You may ask your question. Thanks. Uh, maybe just continuing on the integration. How quickly uh, do you expect to be able to add the STAR assets to the redevelopment program and actually begin work on them? So pretty quickly, I mean, we're going to start with markets that we're already in. We anticipate being able to add, you know, a handful next year to uh, the renovation platform and really, uh, you know, 2023 really going full steam into their portfolio. Thanks. And then just on uh, the same star uh, guidance change, you know, obviously you pulled, um, you know, I think about six properties out of the pool. What was the impact um, if those assets had remained in the pool? Was there any impact from uh, the removal of the properties, or was it just pure change um, for the portfolio overall? Uh, yeah, no, the uh, the same store uh, growth in the third quarter with the 47 was 14.7%. If you included the six uh, dispositions in the same store pool, it would have been 14.2%, uh, so fairly consistent. And, uh, you know, the, the guidance that we have from a disposition standpoint is that two of those six assets will sell probably in the second half of December. Uh, so from an earnings standpoint, very, uh, very small effect this year. Is there any change to the full year guidance based off of the removal? Uh, there's not, no. Hey guys, it's um, Michael Berman here with Nick. Um, just had one question, and you know, it sounds like you're trying to minimize as uh, many of the risks as possible uh, in terms of systems and people uh, that typically arise uh, coming out of M&A. You know, given the fact that Star is a non-traded REIT, a lot of individual shareholders, what are you starting to do to sort of deal with the potential flowback of um, sales from that? Can you, can you set up a buyback program? Are you trying to get other institutional shareholders to come in? Um, so just walk me through how you're thinking about dealing with that given it's so significant of an equity base. Well, uh, thanks, Mike. It's 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 a question that that we've thought a lot about. Um, uh, you know, pre pre uh, agreement to, to to merge and and since. Um, I don't know that there's a whole lot we can do. We're not going to do a buyback, um, uh, especially with with where the stock is trading. We don't we don't think that's appropriate. Um, but we've been we've uh, been advised uh, that there will be you know give or take twenty to twenty five percent. 
of the retail shareholders will look to exit over the first six months uh, post-merger, um, but that the index buying, uh, because of the larger size uh, of the combined company, should more than offset that. So um, we really don't believe that there will be uh, any, any real pressure um, from uh, you know, the non-traded REIT shareholders uh, getting liquidity for the first time. Um, also, if you think about it, they have, many of them have uh, a, a negative basis or a very, very low basis, so they're going to have a big tax problem uh, if they sell the shares. Um, and the fact that they're getting liquidity forever, uh, not for just a short period of time or a short window, um, uh, also gives us some comfort that they will not all look to sell immediately, but they'll look to sell when it makes sense as they manage their own portfolio. And then just in terms of, um, I know they had lowered their dividend a number of times. Where does that sit upon exchange when they come into your stock? Is that flat, up, or down? Good. Yeah, it's slightly down um, considering the exchange, the 0.905 exchange ratio. So they'll receive a lower yield upon closing as well? Small. Very, very small. Yeah. yeah. And so you won't, you'll have a, buy that program in place. I mean, you don't, I mean, I know you don't, I know where the stock is today and I know that's not what you want to deploy your capital for, but I assume you'll put that arrow in your quiver so that, I mean, who knows where the market's going to be upon close and what could happen. Your the index buying may not be at the same time as the non-traded sell down. Um, and, you know, 25% of total is, is almost 10% uh, uh, of your share base, so it's not insignificant. So I just want to ensure that you have the tools at the ready um, for that. Uh, we don't have a buyback uh, in place. However, it's something that we have been discussing with the board and will continue uh, to think about moving forward. Yeah, I mean, you, you always want to have as many tools in the toolkit um, to deal with situations so that you're not caught flat-footed. So um, that would probably be something to have uh, in place. We appreciate that advice, Michael. Thank you. Okay, thank you. And speakers, our next question from the line of Austin Wurschmidt from KeyBank. You may ask your question. Great. Good morning, everyone. Um, in the store merger presentation, you guys had outlined what new lease rates um, were for the star portfolio, and I, I was just wondering if you could share some high-level thoughts on how that portfolio has performed and to the third quarter, you know, versus your existing portfolio, so we can start to think about maybe the earn-in of star as well, and then any thoughts on you know the performance relative to your initial underwriting. Yeah, no, Austin, it's a great question. Uh, Star did file their 10Q uh, last night as well as put out a press release on their earnings as well. I would just direct everybody to, you know, kind of take a look at that and read that. You know, generally speaking, uh, their performance is very consistent with ours. A lot of their lease over lease growth is very consistent with ours. A slightly higher occupancy at 96.5%, but uh, again, very consistent. Uh, and it just speaks to the fact that, uh, you know, properties are located very close to ours, uh, very similar business business practices and cultures uh, drive similar operating results. Got to appreciate that. And then, so with, with kind of the NOI growth you're achieving, um, you mentioned your comments uh, about the disposition proceeds, you know, being greater than you had originally anticipated. You know, one would think that you're tracking ahead of your pace as far as decreasing leverage um, closer to your, your you know, medium-term target. So I'm just curious, um, when you balance that with where the stock's trading at all-time highs, wh what are sort of the latest thoughts around, you know, potentially accelerating, deleveraging versus just, uh, you know, remaining patient? 
So, um, you know, as part of this merger, we identified, and, uh, and I think Farrell mentioned this in his, in his prepared remarks, we identified $340 million worth of assets, nine communities, uh, six of IRT communities, six IRT communities and three star communities um, to be sold uh, with the proceeds being used to delever. So our initial estimate of value uh, back in July was $340 million, but now that we're in the process and actually moving towards actual sales, we think that those proceeds will be, you know, as high as 380 maybe even $390 million. So that uh, additional value along with the fact uh, of uh, the, the strong growth from both companies um, now leads us to believe that we'll, we will hit our uh, seven and a half or mid sevens uh, uh, net debt to EBITDA target um, uh, in the, the middle to later part of next year rather than the end of 2023. So a full, you know, maybe 18 months earlier than what was originally projected. Um, and that deleveraging uh, will continue uh, just through organic earnings growth uh, as we move forward. I appreciate the thought, Scott. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. And speakers, our last question from David. Doti from uh, Collier Security, you may ask your question. Uh, good morning, thank you. Um, gentlemen, is there, um, is there any expectation for um, additional synergies beyond the $28 million in, in the merger that you've uh, pre-announced? You know, Dave, it's a great question. Obviously, we're still in the integration process. Um, you know, we're still, you know, uh, very confident of delivering the 28 million of synergies, and we'll continue to look to, gen you know, generate e even further uh, extent it's available. And we'll provide that full update once we get to the, uh, get through the merger, get it closed, um, and then as part of our 2022 guidance. Okay, great. So that's a moving, a moving uh, target. And then my other question had to do with the, the dispositions. Um, can you provide a range on, on those assets? Was it, was it a, a relatively wide range of cap rates implied by the, by the sale prices, or uh, was it, was it some, somewhat homogenous grouping? No, it's pretty tight. I mean, they'll all close between, you know, high threes and 4% cap rates. Okay, and then just lastly, um, were any of those assets part of the value-add pipeline, or, or they, were they held out previously? Uh, a couple, th three of them were in the value-add pipeline. Yeah, but they were pretty much almost complete from a value-add standpoint. I see. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you for the, uh, the answers. Yeah, thanks, Dave. And we don't have uh, questions as of this time. I will now turn the call over to Scott Schaefer for closing comments. Well, thank you all for joining us today. Uh, we look forward to um, completing the merger uh, come mid-December and then speaking with you uh, after year end. Thank you. This concludes today's conference call. Thank you all for joining. You may now disconnect.